Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you are here. Thank you for everyone who supported the podcast, anybody who's uh, put in a rating, a review, shared it with your friends or family, donated on the website, thespiritualforum.org. Really, really appreciate all of your support because like everything, we know you have a choice and you're choosing to be with this fabulous guest today on our, the Spiritual Forum podcast. So excited to introduce Dr. Edith Mbuntu-Chan. She's a teacher of consciousness and human potential, a holistic Chinese medicine doctor, author, speaker, coach, and a mama of two luminous kids. Her journey began in 2003 after a series of meditation-induced mystical experiences that changed her, her perception of human possibilities forever. Since then, she's devoted her life to unlocking the secrets of our human potential. In 2021, Dr. Edith launched the Luminous Education Revolution Program, supporting families in transitioning into the new paradigm of education, homeschooling, unschooling, village building, and awakened parenthood. Her upcoming second book, Luminous Kids, Luminous Education, explores humanity's transition into the new paradigm of awakened living with a focus on children, education, parenthood, and family life. Welcome, Dr. Chan or Dr. Edith. How do, how would you like me to call you? Dr. Edith is more friendly. Yeah. Okay, great. Welcome, Dr. Dr. Chan Edith. is a little bit formal. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me, Reverend Carol and all the audience. It's so special to share this beautiful energy together. So wherever you are in your car, in your kitchen, cooking vegetables lovingly for your children, thank you for um, bringing me into your home and into your life. And I hope that this is a uplifting and inspiring conversation for everybody. I know it's going to be. I, I will share with the audience that I, you gifted me with your luminous education set of um, interesting video interviews that you had. And I, I go to the gym in the morning and I listen to them while I'm walking the track. And I listen to other videos too, but yours are, yours are all so uplifting because I, it's so clear that we're creating or that you're creating, that all of us are creating just a more beautiful world. And yes. things can get really down. I mean, you can get really overwhelmed with the negative stuff that's going on, but you know, can leave that aside and, and create something beautiful over here. Um, but I thought we should start by you're briefly telling us your story about how you got to the, I mean, I, you're an extremely accomplished person. And now what you're doing is you're creating this new world with educating children. So can you give us kind of a brief walk through that story about how you got there? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, it is always a little bit tricky. All the like you, myself, and all the guests that you have on this show, everybody's so multifaceted, multi-talented, multi-dimensional to like distill it into a few sound bites is always a little bit of a challenge, but I'll try. Um, I'd say with regards to parenting and education, this story really started in 2013 because I was a freedom-loving hippie, holistic healing person traveling around the world and doing spiritual retreats and really working on my personal and spiritual growth. And in 2013, I had a profound experience in Thailand in this darkness meditation retreat. And I um, went on this retreat for 11 days, 
nine days and nine nights in complete darkness, basically like in a dark cave. And it was such a profound experience. And I could probably speak uh, for the whole episode about just that alone. But the upshot is that I came out of it a very changed human being, really deeply aligned within myself. My intuition had expanded and um, a lot of inner clarity that came through that experience. And so when I came back from Thailand after this deep retreat experience, I found myself relating to life differently. And we were living in San Francisco inside the city. And I found that when I went to work in my Chinese medicine clinic, my intuition has so dramatically expanded that I was a lot more efficacious as a clinician. I could just zero in and boom, I knew what was going on with the client and I could find better results much more quickly because I my intuition was informing me to zero in on the deeper root causes when I worked with people. But at night, my intuition, I didn't know how to turn it off yet. So the energetic noise, I could sense and feel and even hear the grumpiness and the stressful thoughts of all of my city neighbors. And in general, just I couldn't tolerate the the energy of the city was almost unbearable for me. So I had a hard time sleeping at night. I just crave that stillness and complete darkness. And there's just kind of like the 5G towers and the, the um, street light and the LEDs, all this stuff was kind of too much for my nervous system. So I told my husband, I said, I can't tolerate living in the city anymore. I dragged him an hour plus outside the city to a little cute little town called Sebastopol, California, where we found a tiny little cottage, very small cottage, but with one acre of land where it was easy for me. And I've... um some of the audience, if you've heard my name before, you probably know it, associated with a book called Super Wellness, where we talk about how important it is to have full spectrum sunlight during the day, sleep in complete darkness at night, barefoot on bare earth time, that, that the energy frequencies of nature allows us to drop deeper into prayer and meditation more easily, whereas we have to go through a lot more of the energetic noise of the city life to get ourselves grounded, stable, and centered within to get that intuitive guidance information. And so in the city, I used to make a big effort to meditate, make a big effort to go to a park and do barefoot on bare earth, make a big effort to get sunshine and to blackout curtains and like eye shades to sleep in darkness. All of this now happens naturally because I'm living in this more natural environment. And I noticed that everything shifted. I became basically a different human being. I was spiritually more connected. My intuitive guidance was more clear. There wasn't all this muckety-muck noise that I had to wade through to hear my own inner guidance, you know? And um, my menstrual cycle, I hope this is not TMI for your audience. (laughs) We're just syncing up perfectly 28 days, month after month after month. And I was able to even feel my body awareness. I was able to feel exactly when I ovulated, which at this point I'm like in my thirties and I've been, you know, having my female reproductive system going for a long time. I never really experienced that deep inner body awareness and connection before. And this clockwork menstrual cycle thing blew me away. It was like within a month of moving to a new environment, everything shifted. So in this state, I started having an extremely vivid dream life. 
like for the first time ever, I would just naturally want to go to sleep because the sleeping time was so deliciously restful compared to my whole lifetime up until that point living in cities. And this baby started showing up in my dreams. Oh my, yeah. Month Uh after month, day after day, week after week. It was the same baby. So it wasn't just a one-time thing. And this baby says, hey, mama, I've been watching you for a long time. I'm ready to come in now. And I'd tell my husband, I'd be like, hey, baby's here again. And he'd go, la, 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 la. I'm not ready to come in. <laughs> you know, and we live in Northern California, expensive place. And it, we're like, can we even afford children around here? You know, so there were a lot of thoughts, but mainly in hindsight, I feel that what we were resistant to is that we hadn't seen many examples of parenting and education and raising of children that we read resonated with. There was a lot of, we grew up in a paradigm of sit down, shut up, go to your room, you're grounded and you know, you're valued if you um, play, play sports or get good grades in the school system. But you know, other things that actually in, in hindsight, we value even more such as kindness and integrity and communication skills and, you know, um, connection with nature and the freedom to create a beautiful life, like all these things that they never talked about in the school system. It, it, we we just hadn't seen examples of families and parenting and education that we felt like, wow, that's a rich and beautiful life. We want to experience that. It was more like, wow, kids are really expensive. And then, you know, like the parenting paradigm <laughs> of telling kids to sit down, shut up. It's like so much like dog training. And we're like, yeah, we're not into that. So So I guess parenting isn't for us. We're not cut out to do that. That's how we felt about it. So when this baby came, there was a lot of resistance and, but he kept coming to visit night after night, week after week, month after month. And so I just got used to looking forward to going to sleep because I would have these fun play days, sometimes flying around the cosmos, sometimes like seeing this boy as a, as a little boy. Sometimes he would show up as an orb of light and we'd have these play dates every night. And at a certain point, he said, look, now's the time I really need to come in. And so there was this one night in which my husband and I were kind of like tucked into bed in this half-wake, half-dream state. And the boy comes and we end up having basically a three-way powwow with the three of us where... My husband was expressing all of his hesitations about becoming a parent. And and as this was all going on, I experienced the most blissful healing energies. It was like I was bathed in this beautiful, pristinely wonderful energy of peace, of joy, of beauty. I just felt so good. And meanwhile, I experienced my womb space having some kind of like an energetic um, healing or upgrade this pulsation of beautiful energies. And then my boy showed us the scene of all of these spirit babies, all interconnected, like an ocean, like a web work of light. And he said, this is in 2013. He said, right now, as we speak, there's a new generation of us that are all coming to the planet to blanket the earth with this new light. So all of your objections about the old paradigms of parenting, education, the old ways of family life, I agree. It's true. You are right. And I can't just 
theoretically philosophize with you. I need to come in and have a body to co-create the new ways of being human together with you and together with all of these other spirit babies. You see the permutations and elegance of how we've all chosen. In fact, every being scours the cosmos and chooses precisely to come to the planet for special purposes and to come and choose exactly the most ideal and perfect set of parents to incarnate into a certain family experience together collaborating with all these other families you see we're all choosing to be here with precisely coordinated incarnation times into families and communities all around the planet at these precisely coordinated ways so that we can all come together and build the beautiful new experience of what it means to be human the depth and elegance of this he said i can't explain it to you you have to take my word for it but can you feel the energy and of course i'm feeling this energy as he's communicating all of this he said just so you know what you're choosing is not us as a nuclear family you're choosing all of this and he's showing this beautiful web work of light and the intricacies and the dependencies is so profound, I can't explain to you, but just so you know that if you choose, you do have free will to choose. If you choose not to conceive me, he went and he just black out. The whole scene disappeared. He said, we'll go back to the drawing board and figure out new permutations. But so you know exactly what you're choosing with your free will, you're choosing all of this. You're not, it's not about you. It's wow. about all of us participating in this grand transformation of all of humankind. Well, how do you say no, no to that? <laughs> it was like, no pressure. And so after that, my husband was like, holy moly. Oh, so he went to yoga class and did some stretching and shavasana. And at the end, he's a tennis player. So as an athlete, he likes to do yoga mostly for the stretching and, uh, and agility. And he did shavasana laying in corpse pose at the end. And he had this dreamscape. And our boy came to visit with him. And he was like, oh, pretty cute. Hmm, I'll consider it. And the energy of our house was so strong with this baby energy that a lot of people would come over to visit and be like, is there a baby here? We're like, no, there's no baby. And there was a certain moment where we could feel his presence so strong. We could feel the energy was just right. And we naturally gravitated towards this conscious conception experience that was just, it just naturally unfolded where we could feel this was the time he was present, he was ready. And I experienced this, this breath cycle in my womb space immediately afterwards. And there was no need to take a pregnancy test. I already knew it was a boy. I knew that he was conceived in that moment. It was so strong and so palpable. And I hadn't heard of other people having such a strong experience. Now that I've started talking about it, I hear lots of other people have these experiences, but they didn't know that this is actually normal, you know? The other thing of being very disconnected with our bodies, disconnected with our spirits, I think that is actually abnormal. It got We got indoctrinated out of this state of being. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more later in this conversation. And so this, this 
this baby just guided us naturally throughout pregnancy. I would communicate with him and we chose to have a natural home birth in the water tub with beautiful midwives. And he helped us to choose the best midwives. And then when he was um, the time to go to preschool, the whole thing, it was like he was my buddy before conception. So we had this relationship all throughout. It was like such a joy, like, welcome, buddy. Now I get to facilitate you to have an awesome experience as an infinite cosmic being coming to planet Earth. Let I see myself like a tour guide. Like, what would you like <laughs> to experience? Let me show you around and have a good time, you know? And so with the birth, it was like, hey, what works for you? It's like, what would you like to eat? And, you know, how are you doing? buddy and the whole thing this little buddy like now he's birthed and we naturally transitioned into prolonged nursing and um co-sleeping all these things people would say oh you guys are doing attachment parenting I'm like what's that <laughs> look at <laughs> oh I guess so and the, the co-sleeping the baby wearing the all of those things happen so naturally because I'm in communication with this baby and he's telling me what he needs and we're working it out. And this intuitive experience of bonding with this being, all these things, we don't need to philosophize about it. It unfolds naturally. And as I wake up to why this is so rare, there's a lot of grief, actually. There's a lot of sadness that this isn't society's norm yet. And I'm optimistic that it's we're transitioning now where this becomes more and more normal, this way of um, being connected with our children before they're even conceived, this way of deep inner communication together, collaborating with the journey of pregnancy and birth, like having this communication always alive. And then when it's time to go to preschool, we pick the most uh, holistic, organic, wholesome preschool and we were only going there two days a week anyway we very gradually transitioned him into it and he did have a good time there were the sweetest teachers there it was like indoors and outdoors they had gardening they had arts and crafts and they had beautiful all organic they were vegan friendly and paleo friendly and the beautiful songs and a lot of like very conscious aware holistic approaches we loved it but then when he started Speaking more articulately by the time he was four, he said, Mama, no, I don't like it that they have a potty break and they have all the children go to potty break. I want a pee pee and poo poo when my body says pee pee and poo poo, not when teacher says potty break. And I want to, I want to eat snacks when my body says hungry, not when teacher says it's snack time. And he actually started kicking and screaming and refused to get out of the car. And so how old was he at this time? He was four at four, this time. Yeah. And so yeah. we started preschool in two years and nine months, just two days a week. And so the other days we're still at home with him. And um, and he his language skills came in a little bit late. So um, so he was trying to communicate kind of telepathically. And finally he would like look me in the eye and telepathically basically say that this is an assault to my soul because I'm not here to live on somebody else's agendas. 
And you could, uh, you could discern that his telephone. He kept saying that, that I don't want to pee pee and poopoo when they say potty time. I want to pee pee and poopoo. My body says pee pee and poopoo. I don't want to eat snacks when they say it's snack time. I eat snacks when my body says hungry. So I would go into preschool with him and kind of observe, like drop off time. I would go in and hang out for a while, pick up time. I'd try to come a little bit early and see, just see how it was going. And um, I noticed that he would be really into building blocks. He's really big into building even to this date he's eight now and um and he's engrossed in it and they would go ding and ring a bell and go over here and march a sweet little song let's go over here and do story time and he'd be like yeah story time is great i love story time too but i'm not done building my block why are you <laughs> jerking me around and mm-hmm. he felt jerked around by their schedule and agenda and so long story short um or long story long this is kind of a long answer to your question <laughs> Or um, the preschool teacher, the head of school said, yeah, he'd probably do well as a homeschooler. And as soon as we took him out and just allowed him to guide and direct the rhythms of his learning, he started blossoming like crazy. And around that time at three and a half, he started saying, oh, by the way, my sister, my sister is still in space. My sister has to come to planet Earth now. And so we tuned in, communicated with her and had a conscious experience of conception with her, too. And once again, we knew she was going to be a girl. We didn't do any ultrasounds or testing. And now um, that girl that you saw walking around, <laughs> that's our our three-year-old. So we have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old now. And our eight-year-old has especially just taken leadership of guiding us into this new paradigm of education. And I was kind of like thrown into this world of, okay, well, let me research. What curriculum should I follow? And then, oh, he's not doing well with the curriculums. Let me um, let me look into self-directed learning and project-based learning and play-based learning. And then gradually when COVID happened, we had already settled into a really beautiful rhythm of a, a custom a la carte education journey that is directed by a child, really kind of joy-based and interest-based and passion-based, but we're in the community doing lots of cool stuff. And I didn't have a name for it, but I just knew what we were doing was really beautiful and special and it worked for our family. And it was a direct extension of just deep listening, right? Since pre-conception, I listened to him. He taught me things. He guided me into this journey all throughout pregnancy and all throughout this whole transition into preschool and out of preschool into being self-directed. And then, and then when COVID happened, people started asking for support, and that's when I started offering programs and coaching and bringing together the most inspiring and incredible, brilliant minds in human potential in alternative education. I'm weaving together this fresh new paradigm that now I have a language for it that I call luminous education, which is actually something the world hasn't seen before, is the weaving together of the most beautiful threads of wisdom, but up Dated and freshened for these times. So there's elements that reminds you of the best of Waldorf, reminds you of the best of Montessori, reminds you of the best of homeschooling, self-directed learning, unschooling, play-based learning, project-based learning, inquiry-based learning, community gatherings, but also the freedom and flexibility for the child to be very sovereign and self-directed in their life path. There's like the best of all of this that is birthing through us right now. And it's so exciting and so inspiring. And we don't quite completely know how it looks because there's no more one size fits all. So it's a tr- 
excuse me, is a transition from like factory farming to permaculture and biodynamics, where permaculture and biodynamics, there's principles at play, but every farm looks different. And it's, it's a deep listening to the land and to the nature and to the ecology of that local area and to the people of that local area, right? Whereas factory farms, yeah, you know, they all look the same. So with education, with parenting, there is that similar kind of transition of our consciousness into being very present with what is deeply respectful and honoring and allowing the creativity and that collaborative higher win-win co-creative possibility to birth through our families and our communities right now. And it looks different for everybody, but the underlying essence of it is the same. Well, I... I think this is one of the most hopeful messages that that I've been dwelling in recently, and I hope everyone who's listening is really inspired. I I'm thinking about your son and the preschool. I w- when I was a child, and and this would have been in like the early '60s. I remember I was in kindergarten in Orinda, California, and so I would have been like what five, and I. I remember a day in my life, I remember the day that I said to myself, 12 more years of this? I couldn't believe that my, I was five, 12 years is even beyond what a five-year-old can think of, but I knew there was something called 12th grade. I had older siblings. I just couldn't believe that I was stuck in this prison. (laughs) And I don't know what happened that day to have that realization, but I adapted. And I adapted pretty well. Mm-hmm. But it's only really recently that I've very much awakened to how I wasn't educated, you know, that I was, it was a conforming system. There was something, it's like you take a bunch of square blocks and put them in the round hole and, you know, we all got to come out round or something. So I can really see, you know, I can really see the limitations of our current education system. It's, it's a lot about obedience and, you know, certain, certain ones prosper and certain ones don't. And there are all these problem kids and there, then there are these special kids and, and, you know, it's, it goes way beyond not being able to pee pee and poop <laughs> when you want to, but right. it's, it's, so I, it's not like public education is absolutely horrible, but as we spoke before we got on recording, you're creating something that's so much more fun, so much, so much more. Why not go jump on that train? You know, so you don't have some five-year-old sitting in kindergarten going, I have 12 more years of sitting and listening to my teacher tell me what I have to do. Yeah. Wow. That's very profound that you had that realization at five. And I guess my boy had that realization at four, you know, and how many of us, maybe we try to communicate with our moms and dads at that young age while the veils are still thin and our divine connection is still so strong. Um, And our parents maybe have the past generations, maybe we've missed out on the gift of what's possible to allow our children to teach all of us how to level up instead of us suppressing their potential by conforming them to a system that may or may not work. And maybe the school system, I think the school system is also evolving. There's a lot of charter schools, alternative styles of education that's working better and better. So I think on all levels, people are seeing that we got to do better. Let's try 
to do better here. My my boy, as he was talking about all that in preschool, I started observing the patterns at play. And I saw that with the kindergartners, with the, the five-year-olds and the six-year-olds, there's a gradual agenda of, of training the children to be more rigid in their rhythms and their schedules. And the ringing the bells, almost like training Pavlov dogs to kind of be like show up at this hour and then ding at this hour, you're supposed to do math and then ding at this hour, you're supposed to be hungry and ding at this hour, you're supposed to do music or English or whatever. I, um, you know, working in holistic medicine, I've had the blessing of accompanying many thousands of people through what has been deemed incurable conditions by the old medical system, you know, that, and we know that there's no such thing as incurable, but what I discovered through and through what gave the best results was not which acupuncture protocol, exactly which herbal supplement or whatever. It was this deeper inner questioning, this inner connection with ourselves that gets restored, that kickstarts the healing cycle. People taking a huge step back and doing the soul searching, asking the dip deeper questions like, well, what, who am I? What is this life for? What am I doing here? What do I value in this life? Am I living my life congruent to what I say I value? And what are the tools, tactics, and strategies to support me in creating the most beautiful, rich, and fulfilling experience of life? When people go to that level of inquiry, then all the tools, tactics, and strategies, they fall into place to support that, right? So I'm watching this four-year-old. I'm like, wow, he's saying, don't, don't do that to me. I don't want to get all disconnected from myself only to have to do lots of personal growth and spiritual growth in my 40s, 50s, and 60s <laughs> to find myself again. <laughs> that is such a stupid system. It's too inefficient, right? Like, why? how about we just don't disconnect our children from themselves? You know, of course, there is like, we want to learn manners. We want to be responsible, reliable human beings too. But that's part of, those are just skills for life to support you in creating a rich, beautiful life that is in alignment with your divine essence. And how do we support our children instead of squash that connection so early? So I just really saw how in at age five, at age six, at age seven, gradually we're indoctrinating children into this kind of factory model. And you could just see that that's what's going on. And much respect to all the educators, the teachers and the parents of, of who are in the school system that I think many of us are asking those questions and there's no one size fit all solution here. But I I highly encourage all of us to ask those deeper questions now because the old system is collapsing upon itself. We can see it's a chaos out there. And, you know, it's just a matter of time that everything collapses and we really need to focus our energy of, on building much more beautiful structures and solutions moving forward because the old one just hasn't worked for a long time now. And thank goodness for all the situations of COVID in these last few years, it's gotten a lot more of us to ask these very important questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the old system collapsing is where a lot of people get really depressed and really down and their energy gets really low and they get afraid. But the but you're turning this into what are we going to build? What what kind of world are we going to build? This idea that your your son outside the wound 
uh, before we was even conceived, showed you all these spirit babies that were coming in. I mean, that's pretty exciting to think that there's lots and lots of souls out there that are wanting to incarnate now. And they wouldn't want to be incarnating now if it was like completely horribly, you know, depressing and right. hopeless. They're coming, they're coming to bring hope and a new world, you know, in in into into being. And so it, you know, our job. I think before we got on, I was sharing that I, I feel so much regret that I didn't have this information for my own children. I, I wish that I did. I was very much caught into being a working mom, and I was really lucky. My, my mom and my dad lived a mile from me, and they really helped raise my girls, so it was very much a family thing. But I, was, I got all sold on being the, you know, the, working, the working mom, and it, it worked, but, but I... I Looking with everything I know now, I go, oh my gosh, you know, oh my gosh, all these opportunities I missed with my kids and connecting them to the earth and their bodies and and their own expression. It's like, oh, I part of me goes, oh, I failed as a parent. But um, so why don't, why don't we address that for now, just in case anyone else has that thought? Yeah, I mean, there's like the biggest, um, you know, there's like big patterns at play with the consciousness cycles that we're going through. And then also on an individual level, you know, maybe we all came here to experience what it's like to live in separation, what it's like to be a woman, but be told by a society that to succeed, we need to act like men and chase after our careers in these certain way. I definitely support success on all the dimensions, but I think we're also learning what it's like to be a woman, what it's like to be a mom and to embrace the power of that femininity. Um, there's so many layers to this that we're all waking up to. But the biggest piece is that my girl, when she was conceived and she was in my belly, I communicated with her quite a bit. And um, and she kept just sending waves and waves of joy and appreciation and gratitude. She kept communicating that I couldn't possibly have been conceived a moment earlier because our human collective consciousness was so inharmonious to this new type of human that wants to come in now. And it was the deepest, most sincere thank you, gratitude, appreciation for all of us that bridged the layers of consciousness, that did all the personal growth work, the spiritual growth work that created enough of these conscious structures and systems and asked those deeper questions that made the energy friendly enough for this new generation of luminous kids to come in. So she just kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's because of you guys, all the work that you did to bridge the worlds that now this new generation can come in. It's very exciting. Very exciting. How, how would you define luminous kids? The audience may have heard terms like indigos and crystals and mm -hmm. rainbows and star seed kids and all these kinds of uh, new agey terms. I like the term luminous kids or luminous children because it doesn't have some of that new agey baggage associated with it. And it's this idea that that um, we're all expanding into our fuller and fuller possibilities as a human family now. In the old paradigm, we were living in separation. We're living in what uh, our mutual friend Mark Gober calls the physical materialist paradigm is associated with this paradigm of separation instead of what my friend um, 
Charles Eisenstein loves to use this term interbeing, the new story of what it is to be a human. Our experience of life and reality is more expansive. We are um, oriented towards finding harmonious, higher win-win in everything that we do. And we're not so disconnected from our divine essence you know so we incarnate into bodies and we have an experience of the physical reality but we're multi-dimensional in our awareness of reality we can access all the levels body mind emotion soul we remember in the case of my boy who's eight starting at around age four he started telling me all these beautiful stories of what he remembers from before he incarnated mama before i jumped into your belly this and that like i remember jumping into your dreams and i was so happy that you could hear me because other babies in space tried to jump into their mamas and papas dreams and sometimes their mamas and papas aren't very healthy and they can't hear so they have to do many many tries before they can get through and i remember choosing you and i saw all these different families on the screens and when i saw you i said that one that one that one and mama i remember that there was this special recycling machine that turns stars into babies and i remember being a star before i was a baby and all these kinds of things um so the veils are very thin with this new generation they're able to access their their multidimensional essence, whatever terminology works for you, their divine essence, their essence that is way beyond this physical dimension, you know? So, and their intuitive abilities is quite high. Like when my boy was five, we watched this little documentary called Superhuman, where they explored uh, blindfold perception, remote viewing, remote healing, spoon bending, all these things. And my boy was like, oh, that looks cool. Can I try? And so we found a class for kids where he learned how to uh, read through a blindfold. And so within the first class, he was already able to see through the blindfold. By the fourth class, he's reading a whole book. You can read the um, uh those barcodes, those tiny little alphanumeric codes, completely blindfolded. And so these enhanced intuitive abilities come very naturally to the luminous kids. And so because of all of these things, they're more energy aware, they're more sensitive, they're more intuitive, they're aware of their multidimensional nature. They cut through all the BS very quickly. They see past all the layers of BS very quickly, right? So, so then they need a different paradigm of education. They need a different paradigm of, of family life and parenting, right? Like the, the idea, for example, the first time my boy heard about being grounded, he was like, mama, what does it mean to be grounded? I was like, well, usually when kids do naughty things and their parents are upset, the parents would say, go to your room and be quiet and think about what you did. And you're not allowed to go play with your friends. You get punished for being naughty. And he's like, hmm well, whose room would you lock me in? And he went through this whole thought experiment of like, okay, so if it's in my room, I'll just have fun with the toys and maybe I'll play games or draw pictures. And then if I get fed up, I'll just break the door and come out. I'll break the window and come out. Then you'll have a broken door or window. What would you do? Like, yeah. He's like, would you lock me in the other room? I was like, well, the other room's my office. He was like, ooh, your office has tons of cool stuff. There's a computer. There's all this office supplies. There's all this stuff tons of good books. And yeah, I have lots of fun in there. And then 
that wouldn't be much punishment because I would just break that window or door. Come on, now you have two rooms with broken doors and windows. And then we just laughed and laughed and laughed at how silly these 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 ways of trying to like control our children is, you know, instead of just just respecting them, honoring them, having a conversation about why certain behaviors don't work for anybody, including it probably doesn't work for you because here on planet Earth, when you do something like that, it makes your friends feel hurt feelings. And then it makes them less likely to want to stay as your friend because it doesn't feel good for them to be around you. And and so that's why we want to be kind because because we feel better when we're kind to others too. You know, and so, so this, yeah, this, this whole dynamic is, is, as our friend Mark says, is um, upside down, is backwards and upside down, is making us flip all our paradigms on his head and have to think fresh and new about how we want to engage with our children. And like our, we're, the dance with technology is always a thing, you know, with kids, like, oh my God, all the screen time, are they going to get their souls sucked into the metaverse? And, you know, are they going to get into dangerous situations on Instagram and TikTok? And yeah, this, these are important conversations of these times, but there's a lot of Waldorf-ish families in our community that I know are more um, anti-technology. And so there's, you know, well, what would Steiner say if he were alive today? he would probably come up with something that's fresh and new that works better for today's time instead of being totally dogmatic, stuck in time. You're only allowed to mm-hmm. touch wooden toys and nothing <laughs> artificial, you know, like it was appropriate for the context at that time. But at today's time, we live in a different world now. So what what would work for today's time? And so I see technology a lot like um the first time you teach a toddler to cross the street, you want to explain to them, hey, let's look left, right, left, so there's no cars, and then we cross. The first time you use a knife, hey, this is a really important tool to cut fruits and vegetables, to carve beautiful art, to do all kinds of things. But if you're not careful, you could hurt yourself. So let's make sure you have the skillfulness with it. Technology is a tool that if we're not skillful, we could hurt ourselves. So that's just a, a lot of conversations around this. So with our with our boy, um, we tried hiding the tablet from him. And he, said, <laughs> he said he was like, I can use my third eye and he would just find it, right? So, so then you need new parenting paradigms if that kind of mechanism of control is not going to work. We really just need to equip him with wisdom, with conversations around honey if you're on your tablet all day long we miss you we miss having you as part of the family doing fun stuff you know so there's a lot of okay honey um i'm gonna go for a walk in the trails how how's your show that you're watching or that project you're doing on on your screen like how's that going and he will say oh i have five more minutes like okay i'll wait five more minutes and then let's all go on a trail walk together so there's no fighting about it right and um lately we're experimenting with on fridays he comes to the office with me 
And so he helps out with putting away inventory and doing stuff. Um, my office manager is wonderful. She's very like-minded with this paradigm of being with families and communities. And so I'm very blessed that she's like, oh, well, this is something that your boy could help with. Should we ask him? So he puts away inventory and then he does some stuff on his tablet. And then twice during the day, he has to track his own time to go to martial arts class because he's um, doing karate at the martial studio right next door. So he is aware that when he's on his tablet, that that is a kind of alternate reality that we want to anchor in this reality. So as long as you show that you have the are responsible and reliable, you remember to go to your karate. And then he's also come up with other projects like Mel Science or KiwiCo sends you these kits. He's like building engineering projects. So he gives himself assignments that he does on Fridays interspersed with the technology time to really nurture this skillful navigation of technology where we don't suck into get sucked into addictive patterns with it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he's showing that he can be responsible with it. And we, it's a conversation that is always alive in our family about what we love about technology, what we're worried about with technology. So we're sober, wise, and conscious in our approach. And my good friend, Dana Martin, who is a big unschooling pioneer, she's like a mentor to me. She says she doesn't even like to use the term screen time because that's highly disrespectful. If a child's reading a book, you can, can you imagine if you were like, that's enough paper time for this week. <laughs> How about, hey, honey, what are you doing on your computer right now? Is it a game or what, what's going on? Is it fun? How, how much longer would you like to play that game? Because we want to go out to the store and get some food and come back and cook some dinner. Would you like to join us? And, and then he might be like, I'm doing this really cool project on my computer. I don't want to come or I do want to come. If we respected what they were actually doing with the technology and it was part of the conversation, then it's a completely different dynamic. There's no yeah. need to fight about it. It's more like I respect you. You respect me. There's a mutual collaborative, respectful energy in the family dynamic. And then it's like, oh, well, help me help you to even get more out of your experience with technology, right? What does that look like? And let me, is it helpful for me to check in with you once an hour to say, hey, honey, you've been on there for a long time. Are you hungry for a snack? You want to take a break and stretch your body? You want to come out into the sunshine, drink some water? So you're not hunched over this device for too many hours. You know, do you want to um, wear a blue blue light blocking goggles so that your body and your brain is more healthy when you're using the technology. My vision is that all of these things that we're stressed out about and worried about with technology, this new generation of luminous kids, a huge part of their mission is to harmonize our relationship with technology and actually see that it's silly. Why do we have technologies emitting energetic frequencies that are harmful to our health? Let's do better. Why don't we create technology where everything from the 60 hertz of the electrical grid to the Wi-Fi and the 5G are nurturing to health and nurturing to life instead of anti-life and zapping our life force from us? I think this new generation of kids, they are brilliant. They will find the higher win-win and their consciousness is already aligned in this way where they don't like to be 
living in fear, living in coercion and control, right? These last few years made us ask a lot of questions like, haven't you noticed when people are clear and confident within themselves, they find a conscious, higher win-win solution that's brilliant, that that transcends the problem. Yeah, I think I've been, are, it's interesting. You you as you mentioned this, it's like, because I've been saying we're kind of at this this um fork in the road, either technology or nature. But what you're talking about is a is a a solution or a something that transcends all of it. And, yes. and includes all of it, includes nature, includes technology, but is at a higher level. And it's not like there's a choice either or, like I, if I go this direction, I can't have that. I go that direction, I can't have that. But there, but that this this luminous kids and and the next thing that's going to be happening on the planet is looking at technology as a tool in, in the midst of everything it is, my body, nature, everything, and and having solutions that are healthy. That's really empowering. That's really yes. empowering because it has yeah. kind of looked like either or, uh, I think, for a lot of people uh, up until up until now. I have to ask you a question though, about these luminous kids because is it just luminous kids that are coming on the planet? I mean, what if you have a, a just a regular old kid? <laughs> like my neighbor has luminous kids, but mine are just plain old kids. <laughs> I Yeah. I mean, I, I know you're kind of half joking and really it's like a gradient. It's a term that refers to where we're all actually going. Yeah. Like there's, this is the, I mean, all of us listening don't don't you feel so much wiser and more strong and aligned within yourself since everything has been crazy these last three years? I feel like I've gotten a lot stronger and wiser. I'm opening to new ways of seeing, new realities, expansive new creativity, resourcefulness, new possibilities that are expanding. You know, so I think we can't help it. It's, you know, resistance is futile. We're all, (laughs) we're all expanding. And there's this idea of energetic resonance, right? Because there's enough of these children that are here bringing this energy, this consciousness, just like two tuning forks. This one's go bing and it comes to this one. This one spontaneous bing ignites into this vibratory state. And just by their presence, they don't even have to say or do anything. They hold an energy resonance that spontaneously ignites many more of us to light up from the inside out. And then together we naturally create beautiful possibilities, new education paradigms, new family paradigms, new ways of engaging with the communities, and then all the other systems. We're going to see new financial systems, new um, medical and health systems, new agriculture systems. It's all happening across all the the dimensions of life. And it's just, um, is really what underlies is this one thing, this blossoming of human possibilities and human consciousness, which changes all aspects of how we engage with life and society. Yeah. And it's a very exciting time to be on the planet. I mean, we're all here. <laughs> we're all here for, by choice, I assume. And yeah, we're here and, to, for, to usher this in. Yeah. And I think the children play a really important role. One piece of this that um, one of our, our our teachers in the Luminous Education Revolution, his name is Masajadi. He clued me into this. I had always seen how Maybe you and I, when we were kids, we kind of saw through the BS and we called it out. But I started noticing this new generation of kids, they're seeing through 
all these layers that are incongruous and they call it out in the most beautiful way. For example, what you say is it congruent with what you do? But there's a next layer. Is it congruent with the consciousness, energy, and intention that underlies what you do? So for example, you say, we want to be healthy. So we try not to eat too many junky foods and we eat organic fruits and vegetables. And so, okay, you say that. Are you actually doing it? That's one layer. But the consciousness underneath it, is it out of fear? Because I don't want cancer. I don't want cancer. I don't want cancer. Or I hate Monsanto. I hate Monsanto. I hate Monsanto. (laughs) I don't want to go to the doctor again. That's what mine is. I don't want to go to the doctor again. (laughs) Right. Or this is a beautiful life. And I'm here to experience a high energy, high vitality, high clarity of thought, of, of, of good health, good well-being. And I love this life. So I'm going to do the most loving thing and also the most delicious thing. So how can I choose delicious, healthy, high vibe, nourishing foods for myself? And so as a natural side effect, of course, I'm not going to eat way too much sugar or junky foods. You know, it just happens naturally. So, so these kids are seeing that. So those of you that are moms, dads, educators, if your kid is resisting something you're telling them, consider if it's because you're not congruent in your action. I think if we're honest, we Mm -hmm. we can just be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we're not, but more importantly, the consciousness, is it out of fear? Is out of a militant, rigid control paradigm? Is that what they're actually resisting against? Because maybe they don't want to resist against healthy eating and healthy living, but that rigid, militant, coercive energy is what is repulsive to them. And could you blame them, right? Like we understand. So look at that. And then Masa Jadi clued me into the fact that with these children, the veils are so thin. They're actually looking at all these levels of how you operate relative to what he calls the the, the blueprint, the universal blueprint or the divine blueprints of what is the highest possibilities that is in alignment with the higher laws of the universe, whatever term some people call it, natural law, cosmic law, universal law. Are you living in congruence with that? That's the fourth deeper layer. And these kids may not have the language to articulate it, but they're seeing all these levels and something feels incongruent in some level of it. They're going to resist against it because they're almost practically allergic to it. That's one characteristic I feel with the luminous kids is that they're so clear and so congruent through and through. They don't they, they're almost like allergic to any of these distorted ways that we did things in the old paradigm. So we have the opportunity to listen deeply to our children, allow them to up-level all of us instead of us trying to make them distort and contort themselves to fit into the old paradigm. I think we're actually missing out. We're missing out on a beautiful gift that's possible if we listen deeply. When our kids put up resistance with things that we share, it would be like, honey, explain to me, how do you see this? I want to learn. Show me. And then together, you know, I've been on planet earth for a few decades longer than you. Is there a higher win-win from my perspective, from your perspective, that could be a solution that's even better than either of us could have imagined alone? That this is the paradigm that I think in a new education system, collaborating and co-creating the beautiful solutions of the future, we have to start learning how to interact with each other in this collaborative and co-creative kind of way. It's so exciting. And I just, I mean, my 
you're talking about the tuning forks, you know, I feel like just in this conversation, my own energy is kind of lifted. I've, I'm very excited about the future. I'm not always excited about the future, but I am excited about the future when we're talking about these, the old structures falling away and, and creating something new and that these children um, are, are, bringing, are bringing this beautiful energy. And, and also those who've been on the planet longer, we have some wisdom to inform as well. So there's this kind of co-creative interaction. How beautiful is that? It's so beautiful. And I know I want to, um, we're going to have to close soon, but I, I want to talk a little bit about your Luminous Education Revolution program and what's in there because you know, the, I've, I've listened to several, several videos and there's, there's so many, they're varied. And Summer is really, really talking about the Luminous kids and some are talking about different ways of, of organizing education where the kids are creating their own schools. And then some are even, um, just even as simple as how can we create something that's an option, an alternative to the public school that's going to meet everybody's needs, but it's not as much focused on the luminousness. It's just kind of focused on how, how can we organize ourselves differently? You have a wide spectrum, I think, that you're presenting in your education program that I think could benefit everyone. So can you talk to that a little bit and then we'll kind of close? Yeah, this is um, Luminous Education Revolution. Thank you so much for um, seeing the depth and breadth of what we're wanting to offer here. It's an inv invitation and in some ways an invocation of this much more beautiful world that we're all entering into. And I don't know about entering into as much as it's emerging through us. It's emerging through all of our family dynamics and our community dynamics. It's just naturally what wants to be birthed right now through all of humankind, you know? So um, I wanted to create a very holistic journey of 18 sessions that take someone into asking these deeper questions because it seems like it's about education and parenting and village and community building, but really it's a deeper question of who are we? What are we doing here? What does it mean to be human during this transformative time? And what is the more beautiful world that we want to create? And so then, then what is the parenting and family dynamic and education paradigm that is congruent with this future of what it means to be a human? You know, so we're cleaning things up across the board. And the 18 sessions start with asking some of these deeper questions, getting clear about this vision, and then seeing that what already exists, that there is a beautiful, that we don't have to reinvent the wheels. Like what are the, what's the best of, these alternative systems out there like Waldorf, Montessori, self-directed learning, play-based learning, what are the threads of wisdom that we can still glean as we build this new world together? But very importantly, there's like there's this aspect of the new luminous kids. They are different. They are multidimensional. They're highly sensitive, highly intuitive. They have awakened new possibilities. And my good friend, who's a human potential researcher and expert, John Chavez, did an amazing presentation about brainwave patterns and how kids are naturally geniuses and meditators into the into adulthood can access these so-called altered states. But in the conventional school system about age five, then their access to these higher brainwave states gets just takes. Mm -hmm. And he feels that it has to do, it doesn't have to be that way. It has to do with our school systems, putting the kids into like, ding, wake up, 
go to school. Now you do math, ding. Now you do English, ding. Now you eat and ding. Now you're allowed to be in fufu. And this actually, this rigidity actually stifles our human possibilities. And I think we can all feel that it's nice when a scientific researcher presents all the brain science so to show you that, wow, we're missing out on beautiful gifts here. Let's let's see if we can do better, you know? And so all of this kind of leads you into the journey of, wow, this is quite a new paradigm. What's the inner work that is necessary? And what's the deprogramming of old distorted patterns? We can be kind and gentle with ourselves, but we also need to be honest that we need to let go of a lot of our old rigid patterns to open to these new possibilities. So we have a number of sessions about the inner work that is necessary for parents and educators. And really, a lot of people wrote in after those sessions and said, I'm not even a parent or educator, but I was so blown away by the caliber of speakers of human consciousness and human potential that you have in this conference. I just had to listen in. This training is the most profound training for anybody who sees themselves as a visionary creating beautiful solutions in the world because we're all products of an old parenting paradigm and an old education paradigm. So what are those old patterns we all have to let go of, whether you have kids or not, right? It's just that if you do have kids, there's an urgency here. You feel like right in your face, the kids kind of like blow up in your face with all the shadows and how they really mirror to you all the stuff that hasn't been healed, you know? So inner work is a huge piece of this. And how do we, in this world where there's no one size fit all, what is the deeper process that we can go through where we can come to what is the right curriculum, finger quotes, curriculum that is uniquely perfect to support the expression of the divine gifts and the essence of your child. What does that look like? So there's no more one-size-fit-all paradigm, but there is a deeper essence of how do you go through a process of questioning and inquiry, and then out of that probably unfolds a beautiful, holistic paradigm that nurtures the blossoming of all the intelligences, physical body awareness and mental intelligence, IQ, EQ, spiritual intelligence, nurturing your ability to um, connect with nature, to have um, entrepreneurial skills. So in one of the sessions, I take people through a process of asking those questions and coming up with this custom holistic curriculum that is uniquely suitable for their family and their child. And now I'm doing work with groups of families and new paradigm educators that want to, instead of grasping at curriculums, to go back Mm -hmm. through this inquiry and this journey to come up with the new paradigms of education that is uniquely suitable for that village, that community, not just individual families, you know. So it's really exciting time. And of course, we want to land all of that with examples of people that are already doing this. That's the exciting thing. This isn't a someday, someday, someday. Already, we're starting to see local communities coming together because of the urgency that was created with the COVID situations, with the school closures. All these badass moms and educators, people coming together as communities saying, hey, we can do better. The system is collapsing. Let's dream a new dream together. What does that look like? And so I wanted to show a few examples of quite different educational pods or uh, Melanie calls her an education haven. We have um, 
I like to call it education villages, which is more a coming together of a group of families together with a group of educators. And there's no one size fit all, but everyone's like, what are the unique gifts and talents that we can weave together perfectly to raise our children in this new way? And so you might see that there's offerings four or five days a week in these kinds of education centers. But um, there's also the option to be very customized and a la carte so that children are respected if they want a lot of structure and support is available. If they just want to do one class a day or two classes a week and the rest of the time be free to be self-directed, that's available too. And we have kind of like a really mind-blowing example of that when Gabriel Miguel in, I think, part two of the 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 training program he shares in Siberia this model of a school where um, he's the founder of the Anastasia Foundation which is based on these incredible books these 10 books uh, about this uh, woman from Siberia called Anastasia who is holding ancient Vedic wisdom for these modern times and there's a school that's founded based on some of her ideas and principles and what's actually happened in the school is absolutely mind-blowing these children are completely self-directed and the teachers are facilitators in the school in Siberia and they've actually designed and built every school building and they do the architecture the design the engineering and the school building looks like sacred temples perfectly geometrical, all the beauty, so inspiring. And they grow their own vegetables. They do like Wim Hof style ice dungs and they do traditional martial arts and dances. And when it comes to academics, because it is actually some kind of like a charter type school that gets government funding, they do have to jump through the hoops of the standardized testing. And to these children, it's like no big deal. They all come together. They're like, you want to learn math this year? So all the children teach each other. And in one year, they learn like 10 years of math. And one year they learn like 11 years of science and they jump through all the hoops and they all help and teach each other. And they pass all the standardized tests with flying colors like it's a joke. And if they do want to pursue something more like academic, by the time they're 17, they've not only graduated from university, they've finished their master's degrees. And it's in this self-directed environment where they're nurtured and supported and facilitated to actually blossom into their passions, their gifts, their geniuses. So this is what's possible in this new paradigm. And we've had glimmers of this for a long time because in the self-directed learning movement, you see so many examples of kids basically graduating from high school very early with a with a full portfolio of the art or of the businesses they want to build or whatever by the time they're 17 because they're not wasting their time sitting in a classroom doing things they're not actually interested in and in the self-directed movement you see tons of research that that basically 100% of unschooled kids they end up being literate and numerate without being forced to sit down and do workbooks you know on average kids if left to their own devices, naturally learn to read at about age nine. You know, on average, they all end up being like at high school competency level with math. In my case with our kid, um, being self-directed, suddenly recently at age eight, just actually this week, he clicked into reading all of a sudden in these last few, few days. He had a fever. And when he was done with the fever, 
something clicked and now he's reading is amazing. And with math, I know this sounds like braggy mom and I am very proud, but I'm sharing these examples because we see so many examples like that where we nurture the natural rhythms and timing of our kids and they blow our minds with what's possible. My boy, just before his seventh birthday, he decided, he's like, you know, I think I'm pretty good at math because he notices he's good at calculating things at the farmer's markets when he's, you know, like counting the oranges and weighing them and he figures out three dollars a pound and would be this many dollars total so we went on Khan Academy and in two weeks it turns out he already knew all of first and second grade math and we started chipping away at third grade math like okay well if you you're having fun let's keep going and then he was like I think before I turn eight I could probably finish fourth grade math he ended up finishing fourth grade math about one month before his eight-year-old birthday which we're, we're all so proud and excited. But then it was like, what if I chip away at fifth grade math? Maybe I can be done halfway done with fifth grade math before I turn eight. Like, all right, honey, if that's what you want, you know, because he's not reading very well. So I'm sitting there reading everything to him while he's doing the math. And it turns out he finished all of fifth grade math in one month. Interesting. And now yeah. he's doing sixth grade math. He just turned eight a couple of weeks ago. So you're not pushing. You're not pushing the reading. He doesn't have to be at a certain level of reading. He's he's coming along with this reading. He's really pursuing math because that's where his interest is. And you just kind of let that go. Yeah, and then yeah. suddenly he seems really interested in reading now. Yeah, it right. just all clicked at his right. own yeah. timing. Yeah. So I'm just in awe and basically like here just observing and admiring the awe, the perfection, the beauty that is arising if we're not trying to interject and interfere with our agendas, except we're sitting there present with what is and we're like, huh, is there a role for me to nurture and facilitate this? If not, hands off. But there is a timing where you can all feel like, oh, he's asking for my help. So I'll, I'll be available to help. He doesn't want my help. I take a back seat now. Like there's that dynamic that you can't one size fit all it. It's about there's there's a certain amount of um there's a certain amount of letting go and trusting and and knowing in in that and not worrying about well he needs to do this or he needs to do that. It's it's just uh, trusting the natural process. And and that's something that, you know, the old paradigm was not so good at. So you know, uh, us adults who are raising children and grandchildren, just getting this inner trust and and reconnecting with ourselves during our own work so that we can trust the natural process and, and let these kids, you know, go along with their process. The future looks fabulous now to me. <laughs> yeah, but that's why that's why the inner work is the biggest piece for of sure. It. Yeah. All of us doing our inner work so that we can be present with the beauty and the magic that is wanting to birth through all of our families right now and yeah. not to, like stifle it and, and letting go of all of the conditioning because we have so much conditioning about how it should be or how it was for me. And, you know, for me, COVID brought all that, really looking at conditioning, really looking at all of the, the, the structures that I'm in that I didn't even see I was in, but I was just, you know, it's like being a, a fish in water that can't really see the water, you know, it's like peeling away all those structures and seeing them. And one of them would be, you know, how I was educated or how, how it worked for me <laughs> and just releasing all of that, letting all of that go. 
Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, we could talk on and on about how the old system distorted our values. We valued the things that they had subjects for in school and yes. we undervalued the things that are actually valuable, like yeah. kindness and, and, and communication with one another and body awareness, taking beautiful care of your health and your well-being, um, communicating well with each other, working collaborative at teams, being a deep listener. And the intuitive awareness, there's so many things that are actually really, truly valuable. Being street smart is truly valuable in life. And it wasn't honored in school, but somehow math, reading, writing, history, or all this, these subjects that they graded us on, yeah. we valued those. And then there's the distortion of um, rewards and punishment that Charles Eisenstein said so boldly and beautifully. He said, rewards and punishments is simply a method of domestication is obedience training, right? Yes. Like it's compliance, you know? And yes. so it's no surprise how we encountered what we encountered in the whole COVID situation these last few years. And thank goodness, many of us are a lot more people in this last year, even waking up to you know what? We we were kind of insane how we did things in 2020, 2021, and into 2022. Now that it's 2023, we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, like we, we got it. It's super unsustainable how we did things. Let's let's figure out something way better that works for everybody. So I'm very optimistic, actually, that that there's a a, a higher divine law at play for us to snap out of the insanity and create a much more beautiful world. Because I think um, in Chinese medicine, in Qigong, there's this idea that of between heaven and earth, that mankind, we are here, our purpose, all of us, our purpose is to bring heaven onto earth. And so sometimes we have to learn things the hard way before we're like, you know what, there's a more beautiful way to do it. Let's do it. I love that. That's a that's a great a great message to end on. I think that this has been such a wonderful wonderful conversation, very uplifting, optimistic. I think the world's. I just can't wait to see what's going to unfold. Um, I do want to close. I want to make sure that if there's anything else that you didn't get said, that you have an opportunity to say that right now, or have you? Mm. <laughs> Yeah. So if this conversation resonates for you, I'd love for you to join our community by tuning into luminousrevolution.com. That's the website, luminousrevolution.com. And you can see some of the free, there's not even an, an email opt-in thing. You can just see a couple of the free videos to get a taste of the level of conversation that um, I have heard from people that tuned into it. They said, this rocked me to the core of my being. People have said I had cartoon tears like bursting out of my eyeballs because it it cleansed a part of my soul that's so needed to be seen and heard. Because I knew as a child that how how this whole parenting and education system was done, it it was incongruent with my soul. And thank you for articulating it so clearly and then helping to 
it's really a portal that we step through when we go through these 18 sessions of inquiry, of clarity, of inner work, that you come out on the other side excited and inspired to be part of creating these beautiful solutions, to be so thrilled and so blessed to have the honor of being a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, or an auntie, or an uncle, or to just be part of the solution making generation. It's like such a thrilling time. We really won the cosmic lottery, in my opinion, <laughs> to have an incarnation during this time. So if you resonate with the energy of that, we'd love for you to join us at luminousrevolution.com and beyond education and parenting. Um, the my My day job is as a Chinese medicine doctor and as a consciousness and human potential coach. So my personal website is dredithubuntu.com dredithubuntu.com. And um, I'm always open to magic and synchronicities. So whoever that's listening, if you resonate with the energy of this level of conversation and you feel like there is some collaborative way that we can do some work together, I'm also planning to do some fundraising to support the massive expansion of Luminous Revolution. Um, so if anybody feels that they've been blessed with um, finances that they want to pour in a very conscious and meaningful way and want to do some collaboration and support the massive expansion of Luminous Revolution. We're building a project where we can actually network all the communities together all around the planet that are birthing these new paradigm education villages. We need some support to hire um, video editors and copywriters and build a team to actually birth the next generation of the luminous education work. So if this is struck in a chord somewhere in your soul, I'd love to connect to see how we can collaborate together and do some beautiful work together moving forward. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Edith. I'll have all those links on the podcast page. And this has been such a great conversation. I'd love to have you back on because <laughs> we could keep talking, but I'd also love to have you back on to talk about your your darkness meditation <laughs> that you said would be okay. an entire entire episode. That just sounds really interesting too. So thank you so much for your generosity, for for your, your, the light you are on the planet, and and the hope that I think you're giving all of us. And bless you and your parenting, your kids, and all of the work that you're doing. It's fabulous. Yeah. Rev. Carol, I feel so blessed, so honored that Mark connected me with you. And I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for your courage to navigate these crazy times with this beauty, this divine light, this truth, this, yeah, the the bravery that you're showing to shine the light more fully in, in these transformational time. I'm so blessed that we're connected now. Me too. I feel the same way. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Everyone who's hung with us this whole time. I really appreciate it. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being.